Hello, hello, and welcome to another very special episode of Switch 12 Podcast. Brian and Ryan are back with another installment, episode 12 now. This is the golden birthday? A golden birthday, yes. Is that what they call it? Yeah, golden yeah, birthday. When, yeah, it's 12. the 12th of our Sweet 12, which is weird, but we'll, we'll keep it. It's, it's all right, fine. we'll take the golden birthday. No, I don't, it's fine. I don't, I didn't, isn't that supposed to have like a big sweet party? A, a sweet party. Yeah, all of our friends are here right now, Woo! actually. Yay! Yeah. Yay! You guys are awesome! See, that's right. Really, Where's yeah. the beer? <laughs> It's in the fridge. Go get it. Go get and come it. listen. Yeah, so yeah, everybody's here. We're having a big party, which is great. Um, Thank you for all joining the party. That's right. Yeah, It's an unannounced party, but we will have some fun with it. Yes, hopefully. we will. Um, we're going to do Oscar recap. We have our uh, 12... Kind of the, the results. The, yeah, we have our top 12 animated uh, uh, movies that are not Disney or Pixar. Which are still owned. Technically, technically the list is as follows. No Disney. And we'll explain that when we get to the list. Yeah. Because otherwise it's... Uh, we would have we would have a list that was almost exclusively Disney, and mm-hmm. we felt maybe we could kind of do this as a, as a three way giggity. Uh, have have a Disney list, have a Pixar list, and then have the all encompassing everybody else who's not Disney. Right. So, so. we'll see we'll see where that takes us. Uh, and then we're gonna have a kind of a somber vault pick of the week because uh, there's some terrible news, which we it's not really terrible. We did see it yeah. forthcoming, but we will mourn the loss of one of our favorites today. Yes. Um, and by the time this airs, it will have already been gone. So it will be sad. We will. And be we sad. will remember it fondly, and always. We shall, and often. So, so we're gonna scoot right into it. Yeah, uh, we're gonna do our Oscar recap because if you remember from the last episode, we kind of gave our uh, Oscar picks of the top. I guess it was eleven categories. I didn't know we did that many categories, but we, we just kept going, and because yeah. we wanted to keep guessing, because I, I, we we went. There were ones that I was interested in, and then yeah. basically those eleven. We we pretty much went to. I think we went until we saw costume design yeah and then we thought well we're not really not, qualified no. to to say who did the best nor costume do i design. care and it's not that it's not a great category by the way and the grand people Budapest that, Hotel, yeah. so. it was grand budapest yeah it was love that movie um um you know not that people who do costume design are idiots it's just a category that i don't you know, like ryan said i don't know enough about it so i don't really care in that sense and like i think makeup yeah. and hair design was also uh grand budapest they really? kind of they kind of they they kind of cleaned up the uh the techies um, or the special effects. They cleaned up kind of the yeah, the, 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 the the ancillary awards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to look up the number real quickly because they, they did win its fair share uh, of, of the awards that you wouldn't expect. I mean, I guess other people were expecting them to win, but we didn't grade them, so I don't right. I don't, I don't know okay. uh, on that. Um, so let me pull that up real quickly. Um, anyway, we'll start off. Uh, we both uh, – we did Best Picture. Uh on my ballot, on my actual ballot, you know, the one that I don't get to send in to the Academy because I don't have that kind of privilege. But my... my... <laughs> maybe maybe next year if this podcast oh, of takes course, off. <laughs> of course, next year we will do it. Um, but I had said on my ballot that I wanted Birdman, or that I wanted Boyhood to win. But when on our podcast, I had said Birdman. Birdman. And of course, Birdman won, if you were watching. Uh, Brian also wanted Birdman to win, but he went with Grand Budapest to kind of... To kind of uh, shrink, uh, kind of. I, I don't know. I guess just make, broaden the field, yeah. more so to speak. You know, you can't all guess the same thing. That's not we very fun. No. So Ryan took, you know, guessed the best picture. I went with uh, Grand Budapest because it was a good movie. It was, still was a great movie and still won a lot of awards. It still won a lot of awards. Yeah. So I kind of know what I'm talking about. Kind of. So we'll move on to that to best actor, which was as you have a big chunk of ice in your mouth. Sorry, you can't even write. No, no, no. We're doing a little seven and seven for those of you who would like to join us at home. Please do, but in not morning, while you're driving. Or not in the morning at If you're six. listening to this at 6 a.m. when this thing hits the interwebs, please don't do that. 7 and 7. I just realized 
Is that why you did it? Harvey Birdman? Seven well, seven, 7 and 7 is a real drink. I know, but yeah. did you make the correlation when you were... No, I never did. I okay. never did. 7 and 7. Anyway, best actor was Eddie Redmayne, which Brian suggested, or Brian had picked. Woo! I had picked him originally, but I went with Michael Keaton, um, which was not a bad pick. No. But Eddie Yeah, Redmayne... there's actually a, a little vine on the interwebs where he, uh, you see Michael Keaton putting his acceptance speech back in his pocket. Which he was, was very sad. Which is funny because he was fairly confident he was going to win, which maybe that was his downfall. Maybe that was his confidence is your downfall, Batman. Maybe. Yeah. But I mean, not that, I mean, Eddie Redmayne definitely deserved it. Uh, apparently on Facebook, Stephen Hawking made a very nice yes, uh, I saw that. post about Eddie Redmayne and mm-hmm. congratulating him on winning. So that was mm-hmm. really good. Uh, the Academy loves when actors kind of go really method like this. Oh, yeah. And, he and, really did. And, we, and we, we talked about, well, we didn't, we talked about it on our review, which won't get posted, but... We we talked about it. Yeah, we might we might post it now. Oh, we might, maybe. We might as well. We might as well. Or, yeah, yeah. Or if we ever maybe. if we get our new site up and running, we can just put it in like the extras, Ar- the archives. Yeah, yeah. And you know, because he went he went all out. He he studied with uh, ballet dancers to really control, learn how to control his muscles because he had to play an ALS mm-hmm. uh, uh, sufferer, I guess, right? Sufferer, someone yeah. with ALS. He's really he's, he's technically a survivor at this yeah. point, but he has not survived it. He's living right. with it. So right. But yeah, he did a very good job. Uh, Julianne Moore won for best actress, Yay! which kind of. It's, I guess, fitting in the theme of giving actors, you know, people who are portraying. Mm-hmm. And you called that the method. Think. Julianne Moore was yeah. playing somebody who's autistic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get Eddie Redmayne, who's doing ALS, and Julianne Moore, who is, you know, autistic. They did, I mean, they both did really good, and it was Julianne's time. You know, yeah. she was fifth nomination, finally win. Um, best director did go to Birdman. I think Birdman. I think you chose Wes Anderson. Yes, just because you, I think you and chose. I know, I chose Richard Linklater oh, never mind. For, okay. for Boyhood, and we both got that one wrong. Which is kind of sad, but yeah. that's all right. Um, it was well-deserving. Uh, best original screenplay also went to Birdman. Yeah. I think you had picked Grand Budapest, and I think I picked Birdman. Yeah. Which we got that. Uh, supporting actress was Patricia Arquette. We both had picked her. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.K. Simmons, we both had picked mm-hmm. for Whiplash. Uh, it was really weird speeches this year. Like, Patricia Arquette kind of gave a speech about how Hollywood needs to start doing equal pay for, for women. But it, she wasn't just talking to Hollywood. She was talking across like, the nation. It was kind of, I mean, I understand kind of a, this is your podium, literally yeah. and figuratively, to, to get... To do what you to want. To kind of, I don't really want to say promote your agenda, but to kind of get what's bothering you. But him, and then also J.K. Simmons telling everybody to call their parents all the time. It was, was kind of uh, some unique takes on the standard Oscar sure. acceptance speech, sure. you know. And every year they have a couple like that, so. Um, we had also done cinematography, which went to... I don't think it went to Birdman, which um, I'm it, trying to remember who. It I went don't think to. it did. I think you're right. I, I think it was somebody else. We had but I we can't had remember. picked Birdman because of how the cuts, yes, which are very long cuts, and you don't see that in movies. No, you see cut, 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 cut. But it was done in a way where it kind of pans across mm-hmm. the screen to kind of give you a changing of the screen as they're talking, and it just yeah. it was done very well. Uh, cinematography. God, I wish I would have had that written down. I'd, p- I'd put a Bird Dan did win. Correct. So Bird, Bird Dan? Yeah, Bird, Bird Dan did win, which we picked. <laughs> so we did pick that one, too. Bird Dan. Um, we also picked Best Score, which you had won for Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah! Finally, I won with something with Grand Budapest. Um, we did the Best Animated Feature, which I had picked Big Hero mm-hmm. 6 and had won. I don't. I think you had picked Big Hero 6 as well. No, I think I picked How to Train Your Dragon 2 just okay. because you picked Big Hero yeah, 6. Sure. Uh, original screenplay was Birdman, which we had picked, and then Best Adapted Screenplay, we also picked both Imitation Game. Yay! So we ended up going, uh, I went 7 for 11 on the picks here, and Brian went 6 for 11, so pretty good this year. Yeah, I didn't do too um, shabby. For the, first year that, for the first time in probably five years where I've made you actually do it, you yeah. didn't do half bad, so. Yeah, yeah. 
So we'll do that. We'll go through the. I can go through the other winners that were kind of not really surprising, but uh, ones that I had picked. Uh, Feast, which was the the short movie before Big Hero Six had won the Disney short, animated short, which was really well done and very funny. Go go ahead and find it online. I think they're all online now. Uh, best original song was Glory from Selma. Hmm. They went by their real names. It was uh, like Lonnie something and... Lonnie Anderson? No, Lonnie something and John something. It was John Legend in Common. So I tweeted out that apparently to win an Oscar these uh... days, you can't go by Legend or Common. It's too pretentious. <laughs> so they did the real names there, but it was really... It was John Legend in Common, if you know. Sure, okay. okay. Hip-hop or R&B of, of today. Um, another mind-blowing one, not really. Best visual effects went to Interstellar. Of course it was going to win. Yeah. Um film editing went to whiplash and i was i think we had talked about off because it uh because uh birdman was not picked for film editing which is a weird one you'd think that that was not maybe cinematography was well we did have that one the, right but, but but that category maybe that's yeah. not what we think editing is yeah well yeah i think so so whiplash won for that which it did have some pretty good edits but again maybe we're thinking of it incorrectly i don't know yeah grand know. budapest swept the costume and makeup yay uh, and production design which production design is actually um so I can educate you and any listener who doesn't know. Please do. Basically, it's before the movie's even created. It's what they're kind of designing. It's basically pre-production. Okay. So they're, they're, they're planning out the movie, what's going to go kind of where, what's it going to look like, you know, set mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's all kind of done before the movie is even started filming. I didn't know of, that. Kind of doing production design. I, that's cool. So, um, but yeah, Which, when you see the movie, you'll realize yeah. that, it's, that it's done so well. I can't wait for you to see it. You have to tell me all about it. Uh, best, uh, best documentary went to Citizen Four. I hadn't seen anything about it, but a lot of the documentaries and short films this year were pretty, uh, I felt like they were pretty, um, common themed because the best short documentary was crisis hotline veterans press one. And it was a short, you know, short documentary about the veterans affairs and all that stuff here in America mm-hmm. and citizen four. Um, I feel was, uh, it was about Edward Snowden. Okay. So, right. Um, but it, then they both deserve to win. I picked uh, the Reaper for best short subject just because it was called La Parca, and he was uh, one crazy ass wrestler in WCW back in the early '90s who walked around playing guitar with a chair. So <laughs> that's all I could think of. <laughs> oh, that's that would have been awesome if it was about him, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, overall, the I think we did pretty well on our on our picks. Uh, next year, we'll do even better, of course. You always, have to, you have to do better. Um, but there's really no, I mean, I don't know if you watched any of it at all. Maybe caught pieces of it. Um, I, mean, I was watching had... Back to the Future 3. Ah, that's a good, it's a good movie. Holly had never seen it, so we watched ah, it. Good. It's a good choice. Yeah. Um, the Finally the... rounded out the trilogy Neil... now, which is good. Neil Patrick Harris uh, was the host, and he did an okay job. I think, I think part of maybe what took away from the hosting ability was the fact that he kind of recreated the scene in Birdman, where Michael Keaton is kind of walking around in his underwear, except for apparently he's packing something big, and so that like Twitter kind of exploded for the last hour and a half of the show, just kind of talking about you know, somebody's package. Sure. And whatever. I mean, he, he did what he did. Um, I don't think he was any worse or any better than Seth MacFarlane, who did it last year, and he was very good, or maybe that was two years ago, but he did a really good job, and mm-hmm. I mean, people were kind of upset at. His jokes. Yeah, but they, I think that was funny. It's refreshing to have that. And I think Neil Patrick Harris was just kind of another safe bet, and he did have some kind of jokes that were out there, and he made kind of a crack at Edward Snowden, who, of course, wasn't there. 
Um, yeah, who was but, not in attendance for some reason. I can't remember I wonder, why, though. Yeah, the subject of your documentary yeah. did not come to America. I no, why. I can't remember. But, but well, you know, that we, was Oscars. Hope yeah. everybody had a good time at the Oscars. And uh, for those of you who are wondering... We did not get to go. We didn't. So we, let's start an p- online petition. Let's get us to the Oscars next year. Maybe we'll, we'll start. Maybe we'll start a Kickstarter it. for it. There you go. <laughs> we can, we can kickstart our trip to the Oscars. to the Oscars. Perfect. We'll live podcast it on YouTube. Everybody does that. Well, I don't know if we can actually bring a camera in there. Maybe we could just. Maybe we could just have a Kickstarter to get to the red carpet, and we could just take there pictures with them. There you go. So we'll just post all the pictures online. Yeah, a live a live uh, uh, podcasting from the lobby. Yes. of the Oscars <laughs> from the lobby. <laughs> All right, it drew uh, in a ten percent on Nielsen. That's pretty good. Yeah, thirty-four yeah. million viewers. Yeah, it's a couple, couple people. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I think it's actually pretty bad for Oscars. Um, it's the lowest watched Oscar ceremony since two thousand eight. Oh wow! And a th- and a third lowest watched in Oscar broadcast history. So it's in the bottom third of eighties. So what, twenty five, thirty, thirty of them? Sure. But it was also the lowest watch since 2008. So, again, I think it was just because there weren't really clear-cut winners. Uh, there weren't really that many great movies. Like, none of the movies that were nominated that won. There, I mean, Birdman may be uh, an exception because it did win Best Picture. But it wasn't any better than any of the other movies last year or the year before. It's just, you go in spurts. I mean, you have great movies in Hollywood and you got poor movies in Hollywood. Right. And it's kind of like back in 2004 when Crash won. It wasn't the greatest movie that came out that year, but it was the best. I mean, it was the greatest that came out that year, but it wasn't great amongst its peers in the last probably five years. And it definitely doesn't hold up now. Right. So I think it's just people knew that. People who went to the theater kind of realized, ah, I don't really want to see it. Um, I joked because it was during the, the, the wrestling pay-per-view also. So maybe people were watching that, <laughs> maybe, which they probably maybe weren't. people are watching WWE. Well, they could be instead of watching the Oscars. I mean... And then The Walking Dead was on. You know, there's a lot of other options now. People are kind of getting sick of the, the, the award show festivities. So there'd be a lot of contribution or, to why it didn't uh, have as many viewers. But whatever, 34 million people estimated. That's, excuse me, watched it. So. That's a lot of people. Still I don't really lot. care. Oh, they're, they're down. 34 million people. Shall you show? Shut up. We have 34 people that listen to our podcast. We're though. happy when we we're get We're happy with that. Yeah, exactly. Woo. So, All right, we're going to jump right into the list now for Best Animated movies and you can talk sure. about the criteria I then i will i'll cry i'll criteria criticize criteriatize um so we started making the list originally and i said to myself i don't want to do any disney and then to myself that also included pixar and yes i know disney didn't own pixar until 2000 whatever it was still kind of produced or distributed by disney yeah it had uh, the and, disney hype machine and then it. and then we started looking at it again and then i said well i don't want any movies at all from any Disney. So that's no Touchstone movies, which means, you know, uh, uh, like Nightmare Before Christmas is not going to be on the list because it right. is made by Disney. Touchstone, people don't realize, is a Disney company. It is not its own studio. They don't have their own stock ticker. They are owned wholly by Disney. Touchstone is just their mature line of movies. So like how all the Jerry Bruckheimer films, those are all Disney movies. Right. And the Pirates movie. Well, Pirates. Yeah, Pirates. Um, we also don't have any foreign movies on here. I would love to include a lot of foreign movies. But Meaning anime. An- well, it could be animated movies. It could be French movies. Or Afghanistan animation. It could be. <laughs> Johnny Chimpo. It could be any of those, but we decided not to put those on the list. Again, a lot of the anime movies that come over here, I shouldn't say a lot. A good chunk are the Miyazaki movies, which are distributed by Disney, which means that the dubs are paid for by Disney. Right. Um, it's not going to make the list in that case. Uh, they may make an appearance on the Disney list when we do the the Disney movies. But again, the list would be f- would be almost half 
anime Disney movies, movies, Disney yeah. movies and would be Pixar would be the top six yeah. probably. So so we made this basically we're sticking to the other. I don't want to say the the the, the forgotten animated mm-hmm. movies, but it's the ones that you don't think. And in... when you think of when you when you look at the top ten, top fifteen animated movies of all time, these movies might not be up there because Disney is really set hold in there because they made some fantastic movies because they've been around for decades mm-hmm. and that's and that's why so so we did the best non-disney movies we did so with uh further without further ado or with yep. further ado or however the hell you say it with without waiting you, any longer yeah without waiting any longer here we go uh coming in at number 12 and the in the Switch Twelve list of best animated non Disney non Pixar movies, etc., is the movie Nine. Yeah, <laughs> twelve at nine. Twelve at nine. Nine at twelve. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Nine, nine at twelve. And for those of you who haven't seen it, it kind of got lost under the. I don't know. What would you? It just it got lost um, it, under well, the it, hype. It was. Of, it came out in what two thousand eight or two thousand nine. It mm-hmm. actually was spelled N I like number nine E or something. It was just the number nine. That was it. Oh, was it? That was it. Okay, yep, that's all it was. Was I the number it was nine funny? And it came out in and I can't even there it is two thousand nine. I thought so. And yeah. it, it came out at, it came out at a time of another movie that was named Nine, and that was that District Nine. Well, that too, but there was another movie that was called Nine. It was like a like a musical drama. Oh, yeah, or something. yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it kind of got lost in the shuffle of movies that were named Nine. But this one was great. It was done by uh, it was directed by Shane Acker, but like Tim Burton produced. It was Tim Burton. It was Stars Animation, and mm-hmm. it was Relativity Media. Um. It was kind of, I mean, it was an American-Russian thing. So I know I said, I said no, no, non-American movies, but this did have a released a in in America before the world release or mm-hmm. d- during the same couple days as the world release. So right. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but and, it was based on a book. Yes, I based think. on a short story. So I mean, the guy who directed it also wrote the the story and and produced it and stuff. And so it, it was a short film, I think, before. And it was so. It was so enjoyable to watch. It was these little, it was these nine little dolls uh, that were made from this crazy doll maker who, and they somehow came to life during this post-apocalyptic world. And it's basically them trying to survive. And, and every little thing in it is is so cool and so important to the story to watch. I think someone gets kidnapped and and they have to try and save him and. Oh, I just see that in the movie now. It came out at nine nine oh nine. Of course, it did. Movie nine, yeah. Nine, nine, of course, nine. that's marketing for you. But it, it's like the Dreamcast came out at nine nine ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. And so it just it had this great feel to it that all these nine characters were voiced by different um, actors and actresses who kind of embodied that persona uh, very well. They were nine. You know, Elijah Wood starred in it, so he was like the main character. He was the adventurer of the group. You know, they had a builder, they had a brute, you know, they had someone who was good with, I guess, magic, so to speak. So it, it was just really cool to to watch everybody and these, these characters, these little dolls kind of come to life and figure out what they need to do to survive in this, you know, and, and it's kind of big right now, this, this apocalyptic, you know, post-apocalyptic world. So to, to see that, to have that was... Very refreshing in an animated cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it had these little, you know, these little dolls that you wouldn't normally see in a live action movie, but they, you know, came to life and they're using all of these tools, you know, light bulbs on staffs to, you know, to kind of see and these, you know, he's carrying around a, like half of a scissors as a sword. So he's picking up all these garbage, you know, for their, for their tools of the trade, so to speak. So it was, it was very, uh, you know, neat to see how they 
took everyday objects and gave it to smaller, you know, figures mm-hmm. to then use in their everyday life. You're like, oh, that's what they did with the paperclip. That was cool. Oh, that's cool what they did with half of the scissors, you know, and whatever else they did. So it was very, it, again, it was just, it was a very refreshing movie and I enjoyed it. I still have it. And right now, hyping it up again, I want to watch it. I want to watch it really bad. And I, I think the voice acting was done just wonderfully, okay. beautifully. So that's that's my little synopsis of of nine. It's it's not the most detailed, but I don't want to give too much away in the story. You have to check it out for the story, if anything. Yeah. So it, I mean, it was an Academy Award nominated short movie before this. So yep. I mean, I mean, I think I remember seeing the short movie at, at the very least. It did do. It was very you know that was very good for oh, a short just, for a short story. And it's so. dark. And that's what, and that's what I liked about it, you know as well. It's just this dark side of this this gritty little mm-hmm. movie, and oh, it's so cool. I, I really enjoyed it. These little rag dolls running around. It, it was PG so cool. thirteen, mm-hmm. so I mean, it wasn't meant for the kids, which is good. I mean, you yeah. could clear as hell. Um, bringing up, you had said bringing up kind of a household objects for use. Yeah, that seems to be done in a lot of kind of movies that have that thing. Like, yeah, like well, we're gonna cross. We're gonna cross that. Yeah, well, uh, kind of like Toy you know, Story kind of yeah. has that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm t- going to talk Disney movies for a second here. Bring yeah. a little toaster. Kind of has that. on the list. It's not, it's not going to be on this list. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, I mean, well, I guess we're going to approach that subject even coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, other movies that kind of do that, but it, it is kind of neat to see when, when you can create a whole world like that, uh, and it, and it works well, um, because it, it is kind of tough to put yourself into a world where miniature things would, would interact with something completely different than how we would. Yes. But, but it's just, it, it, it's seems just to this, work, it seems to work very well. Yeah. It's just this wonderful little adventure. You know they have to, you know they they have to try and fight these like the red eye creatures. I forget what they're called, but they're made out of like bones and you know scrapyards of this rival you know mechanic guy. It was just it was really cool. I everybody needs to check it out. If you haven't seen it, please please check it out and then go watch Grand Budapest Hotel Ryan. So you have two movies. You have two movies to watch tonight. It kind of sounds like Harry Potter to an extent. No. Sci- well, no, 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 no. The scientist uses alchemy to create ten homunculi like rag dolls and uses his soul to transfer it into those ten. Stitch punks? That's totally breaking your soul apart, like, uh, like making the Horcruxes in Harry Potter. I have no idea what you're talking. I know about. you don't, but I mean, this came out around <laughs> the same time. I've never so. seen any. That's fine. I mean, it's, yeah. they're, they're, they are different. It's just it sounds like it, which is. I mean, I'm saying that's a bad thing. I'm sure. just that. That's what I. That's what I equate to it when I see that he's breaking his soul apart to create these rag dolls, these Stitch punks. Okay. Okay. Alright. So, moving on. Yeah, we'll go to number. We'll go to number eleven. 11. Um. Number eleven uh, is actually based off a kids' book, very vaguely, uh, because the <laughs> it's very it, rough. It, really, yeah. the title is about all that it has in common with it, uh, other than me. Well, not even the ending. Uh, Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, uh, which also came out in two thousand nine uh, by what is it, Chris Lord and Phil Miller, uh, who we've talked about already previously on our podcast uh, with Clone High. Yes, yay, Clone um, High. But this was kind of their next animated follow-up after that. This was a movie based on the book Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, I think that this movie was very well put together uh, through and through. The soundtrack, the, again, had, as Brian had mentioned with, with Nine, uh, soundtrack, voice acting, um, the story was very good for being a book adaptation of a story. Uh, basically, the sci- this scientist, uh, Bill Hader's character, uh, Flint Lockwood, is trying to find a way to help kind of feed this the the, the town necessarily because they live on a basically they're a sardine a sardine island that's all they have sardines mm-hmm. so he's trying to find a way that he can convert uh pretty much vapor 
clouds, you know, water into food. And then he creates this machine and it works. Uh, it ends up getting stuck in the sky. Uh, but he can program this machine to make whatever he wants. So he kind of helps save the town and the town becomes a like a tourist attraction. But, you know, things, of course, happen where he's trying, you know, where, where, the, where the mayor kind of takes over and makes too much food and the island kind of goes under. You know, there's a great story behind it. But, I mean, the, the voice cast is, is is a phenomenal voice cast. You've got Bill Hader and you've got Anna Ferris, James Kahn, Andy Samberg, Bruce Campbell plays the mayor. you got Mr. T uh, playing one of the security guards. Uh, you've got Neil Patrick Harris who plays a monkey. Uh, Will Forte comes back. You know he he gets some of his buddies back from his other mo- from his other shows to do to to do the voice work. Um, but it is a great story, and, and the fact that they could convert this really weird children's book into a workable movie is a feat all in its own. Because in the story, it, there's no machine that does this. It's just kind of it just happens, and then it uh, people kind of have to band together to move away from this island. And then this, in the movie, you know, that, that's not necessarily how it ends. So it, it's definitely an original mo- movie, especially taking a source material and really just taking the name and working with it. And it, it, it spawned a sequel. I, I guess they kind of do move away at the end of, of the movie in a different format. Uh, but they formed a sequel where they go back to the island and it became like an inhabitable jungle of food, which is kind of weird. But uh, Chris Miller or yeah, Chris Miller and Phil Lord had nothing to do with it. So, which is probably for the probably best. for the better. I mean, it was okay, but it definitely wasn't as good as the first one. But definitely look up "Cloudy with Meat" or "A Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs." I labeled it on our list "Cloudy with Meat" just because it sounded funny to me. Cloudy and meaty. Cloudy with meat. Um, I don't think I think all that Phil Lord and Chris Miller had to do with the second movie was maybe a producer's credit on it or based on the first movie by it. Yeah, they were executive producers, which basically means that they helped bankroll the movie they bankrolled it based on the first movie um you want to go ahead and do number 10 yeah number 10 number 10 is american tale which is the the fievel moskowitz movie the first one the first one is and this was and i hated it as a kid because it was boring i really enjoyed fievel uh, american tale 2 fievel goes west because it had more action and more uh adventure Mm -hmm. and still a good movie but this one looking back as an adult this one was the great story it was the American Dream story. It was literally it was, yes, it was with a, mice yes. and little animals. It was a great movie about 1800s immigration uh-huh. into the country, into America. Mm-hmm. It was basically like a combination of like Godfather yes. and and a little bit of of uh, uh, West Side Story, and they talk about like the American Dream because everything's great in America right. and all yes. that. Stuff. We all the need to street, go to America. The streets yeah. are paved with cheese yes. and, and yes. stuff like that. And then they go and they get there, and it's not. There's no cheese there's on, no the cheese streets. on the streets. And there's, yeah. just, there's just a big cat who's kind of like... Who's kind of the, the kinda godfather. The dick. Yeah. yeah. And it, oh, it was such a... Oh, I, I want to go back again. I want to watch this one now, too. Like, when, now that I'm older and I can really... I mean, looking back, this this was the better of the two. Mm-hmm. When, you have to, when you're talking about Fievel, the Fievel movies. And I'm really surprised they didn't make a third. I think the second one didn't do as well as they thought. Maybe. Well, it wasn't it a... Was it, a, it wasn't a Bluth, was it? It was a... I think this was Anne Boleyn. I think Anne Boleyn stopped... Uh, folded before they could do a fit third one oh, maybe. i guess yeah but the the second or excuse me the first the first movie clearly the better of the two uh ah, they did do a third one they, they had they had they did yeah, it was straight to dvd oh the treasure of manhattan island huh huh I... with dom de Louise again sure yeah he's a, yeah <laughs> who's the ron perlman yeah lacey chabert wow david carradine 
Wow. Wow, interesting. I didn't know they made Anyway, they did make a third one, but that we, that definitely would not have made the list because neither of us saw it, and it probably wasn't the greatest. Yeah, it sounds like it tanked. But the the, the first one, American Tale, uh, they had original songs, which were great, and it, it was so... It, it was the story that was... It was a very adult story, but it was meant aimed for kids, and they did a great job telling mm-hmm. it, you know, as Ryan was saying, with the... You know, coming to America story and, and, you know, streets are paved with cheese and, and, you know, it was kind of, you know, the the coming to America story for all the immigrants back in the, you know, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, 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 I don't know what century it was, I'm just going to start naming it up. They're Jewish Russian immigrants because they celebrate Hanukkah. Yes. And Moskowitz. Yeah, they were, you know, they were, that that was sort of the time where, where we were starting to get, you know, in for that. But yeah. And uh, And this was another movie that we talked about that. Made took everyday objects and mm-hmm. put it into the movie where you know they would use thimbles, you know, thimbles and... for for seats and and pin cushions for beds and things like that. So it was it was again very neat to to see as a kid. Oh, they're using that. I use that for this, but they're using mm-hmm. it for this. Oh, that's it helps. Crazy. It helps with like your imagination. Yeah, though, it really does. That. It really does. And, and the kids, the kids loved it. So I mean, I think I think one of the things that most people remember about the movie, even though it didn't win, speaking of Academy Awards, is the the song somewhere yeah. out there. Yes, didn't I say that? No, the music. I said the, well, you I said the music. Say the song. You didn't say the song. I said the song. I can't remember. The, yeah, yeah somewhere, somewhere out there was. And the one they're that was both nominated. singing, and they're both singing at the him and his mm-hmm. sister because he's trying to find his family because mm-hmm. they lost him coming over into the new world. You're right. That wow, memory refresher. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing is about you know trying to find Fievel. Yeah. Allah. Yeah, that home alone. that year. Well, that year it was up against. So I'll give you. I'll give you why it didn't win. It was up against the Little Shop of Horrors, Ooh. Mean Green Mother from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's life, which is a musical. Uh, looking life in a looking glass. The Karate Kid Part Three, The Glory of Love, and then the winner was Top Gun: Take My Breath Away. Oh yeah, so that's yeah, why it didn't okay. win. But it's still, it's still that's one thing that people remember about this movie is is that song somewhere out there, mm-hmm. and and they parried, they they parody it, they 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 they, they yeah, that's right. They 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 mock. They don't say they really mock it, but like South Park did it with the. You eco. need more whiskey. I do. Maybe less. I don't know. <laughs> But they they they, they they sort of mocked it in, in South Park. I mean, it's one of those right. things that it hap- it's it's everywhere. That's the song that people remember. They actually remember that. I think they remember that more than they remember "Take My Breath Away." Everybody thinks of Danger Zone when they think of Top Gun. Yeah. But that wasn't a song from the movie. I think that was. He, I don't think did, he didn't write that for the movie, did he? Sure, he did. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Kenny Loggins, man. He. Yeah. I love Kenny Loggins. Yeah, little but Top just, Gun, little Caddyshack. Uh, what other movie was he in? He was huge. I don't remember the other one, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he, I didn't think that that was. That's cool though. But yeah, American Tale. If you haven't seen it, oh please it came go out, do it came so. Came out eighty six. I was born when it came out, but I watched it definitely when it was on TV and reruns and VHS. And yeah, so good. It's it's worth a watch. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so should we go to number ten? Uh, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. This number one, nine. Number nine is a DreamWorks. The first appearance. Why of... isn't nine at number nine? Because nine was at number twelve. <laughs> Duh. But marketing, right? Think of the marketing. The marketing of what? I don't know. Number <laughs> number nine at nine. Number five alive. Yeah, short circuit. So number nine is Kung Fu Panda, which I think is the first appearance of DreamWorks on our list. Um, but that's good. Um, so Kung Fu Panda again, two thousand eight, uh, came out was a very. I was not expecting much when I saw the previews for the movie, but again, it's one of those movies that. You know, DreamWorks has up and downs. DreamWorks makes some really good movies, and they make some really not so good movies. Yeah. When they're not trying to copy what Disney is doing, they make fantastic movies. Because for every for every movie, yeah, I'm still like waiting the, for them to come out with a snow frozen movie. So for every Kung Fu Panda that they do, they have to do 
a shark's tail. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, that was to- that was a total play on Finding Nemo. fish stories being so popular right now. So let's do one that's more hip hop and Will Smith and then mm-hmm. Jack Black again, who's in Kung Fu Panda, but he fits the panda role much better than he fits the stupid shark role. But they got you know they they, they rely so heavily on large voice casts yeah. and very famous they forget voice about casts the story to to make to sell their movie. Like right. You, there's only so much that Will Smith can do to your movie in 2005. I mean, if you give him the lines, he'll say them. But if they don't work. You know, Robert De Niro will play the the mob boss if you let him do it, but if it you know if it doesn't make sense to the story, then who cares? Right, and, uh, th- and that's a big problem for them. I, hopefully, they're getting away from well, it. They, ha- they have, and, and they definitely. Well, hopefully, they continue. Yeah, let, let's put it that way. They're starting to fall back on. I mean, I don't think I think the last couple of years the DreamWorks movies have all been sequels and not really good sequels, except for How to Train Your Dragon Two. Yeah, but I said, I said not, there hasn't been many. Got it. Like they also did the Penguins of Madagascar, and they did mm-hmm. Shrek. Shrek Fourth, Shrek Forever After, Shrek, Shrek like a ding dong, Shrek yeah. like a. So Kung Fu Panda, Shrek the Seventh, Shrek, Shrek uh, Kung Fu Panda was, I think, uh, kind of the start of its new IPs that they had done. I mean, they did Madagascar around that time. They did Kung Fu Panda. They did How to Train Your Dragon. But Kung Fu Panda to me uh, really kind of hits home. At least the second one does for sure, because the second one's about an adoption movie, and I was adopted. So of course, this is much later in life, and it doesn't, you know, it, it still means a lot to me though to see how these people. Uh, producers and script writers how they kind of approach this adoption story and in the first one they 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 kind of broach the subject a little bit but they don't really they don't get into it but we're talking about i'm talking about kung fu panda kind of as a whole here because i couldn't decide between uh one or two but basically kung fu panda uh this this panda who feels like there's more to life than him just being a a a soup and noodles uh chef uh, thinks that he should be uh, a ninja, uh, a kung fu master, and he thinks he should be part of the, the Furious Five. And so he kind of sneaks into when they are announcing a new, uh, the the new, I guess, the, the Dragon Warrior, which is like the highest honor uh, in this Chinese village, probably, probably all of China. Uh, and he's going to take on the mighty Shaolin or whatever. I forget the, 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 the panther's name. Um, so It's Bert. I don't think it's Bert. I think it's Shaolin. <laughs> Um, I'd have to look it up. Uh, but really, it's just kind of him, you know, he, he becomes a Dragon Master, and it's really just about him finding out who he is and kind of working with within the limitations of what a panda can be. Because you wouldn't ever think that a panda, or a large guy for that member, for, for that for that Man. matter, could, could be a functioning member of a ferocious or a furious five, a, a kung fu master. So the, the story is really about you know, finding out who you are, what works well for you. And it's a great learning story for all characters because Dustin Hoffman, who plays uh, his, his mentor, uh, kind of has to find out what motivates what motivates uh, Jack Lass' character. God, I can't think of the name now. I hate, I hate doing this from memory, especially after I've had a couple <laughs> drinks here. Yeah, we, sometimes um, that happens. Um, I just like the part where he, Jack Black, talked. I like... Poe, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I just... I, I thought his, his voice acting in the movie fit, oh, yeah, fit it, very well to the they, character. Yeah, they that was... And again, that's part of what DreamWorks does well, is they can voice... They can cast a, they can cast their, their, their mm. voices without... You know, with the best of them. They they will spare no expense to cast the person who's going to fit that role we spare regardless. But, you know, with, with Poe's character being so kind of versatile it's it wasn't just a comedy role for jack blad it, it was also and it's 2000 it was 2008 that's what i said but the, the fact that it was ty long was the bad guy Shylong. that was close that's okay uh but you know master shifu which was dustin hoffman he played the old wise you know master kind of the, the david carradine character of karate kid right um 
No, nope. not of Karate Kid. No, not Karate Kid. <laughs> Who's the? Oh, who was that in Karate Kid? Uh, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, Mr. Miyagi. What was his name? Oh my God, this is awful. You you keep talking. I'll find anyway, it. Anyway, but you know they they had some really good. They, you know, they got they got some, Pat Morita. Pat Morita. Thank you. Yes. They had. Didn't you know, even have to look it up. Uh, they had some really good. Like James Hong played Mr. Ping. Uh, you know they had some really good Chinese American actors do some voices of of some of the more uh, prominent characters, and just the whole the whole package was was great. Um, I, it didn't win the Oscar that year, which is unfortunate. Um, it, I think it lost to whichever Disney movie was out that year. Two thousand eight would have been. Um, Find it faster, I quick! I know. I'm trying to remember. Um, it may not have been a Disney movie that year because I'm not one's not coming to mind, uh, but it it definitely was a very good movie overall, top to bottom. Um, it's not higher on the list, unfortunately. Like we do our lists, it, you know, we both have to be in agreement. Agreement. Wally was 2008, which is not you know that's yeah that's, oh, that's Wally my, was so good. that's my favorite Pixar. Yeah. Movie. That was my favorite Pixar movie. I have to revisit the list, uh, but it was nominated with Bolting Kung Fu Panda, so he had a 33 percent chance of winning and it lost to Wally, which would have won in any year mm-hmm. uh, for me, but. I think I think that they did it. They had a good start with Kung Fu Panda One. They continued it with Kung Fu Panda Two, and the story wasn't as approachable because the the sub story was the adoption. He he was losing his powers. He was having visions of of when he was younger, uh, and so that was starting to get in the way of his kung fu. And he had to find out what happened to his village and all that other kind of stuff. So it was a little bit more uh, of a burdensome plot. It wasn't as reachable to children, but I enjoyed it because it was an adoption story. So <coughs> so yeah, Kung Fu Panda makes number nine. It may have been higher had had Brian saw it, but but again, we're we're very inclusive in our in our lists. We could we could we could do a top twenty four, and we'd each have twelve different movies on that list. Probably. So we'd be here all day, though. We did that. We tried that last time. We might do that if we ever reach our if we ever approach our twelve favorite movies again. We may split that up again. Maybe. Um, we do have very different tastes in movies. Well, we do, and that would be something that we could do kind of yearly, like mm-hmm. you know, right before the right before the movie season in May starts, just do our twelve favorite movies, and then we can approach that the following year if there's any changes to it. You know, because it is an organic list. It's not going yes, it, it shouldn't stay. The, I mean, it can, can stay the same twelve, but it doesn't have to. I mean, right. If there's a new movie that comes out that you like a lot more, it's going to make the list. You're not going to say, "Well, it can't make the list because these are set in stone." There's nothing set in stone in media at all, except for Mario Brothers being a bad movie. Oh God, that's set in stone. <laughs> so you want to go ahead and go to number eight? No, twelve, eleven, and ten, nine, nine eight. eight. Damn it! Math is hard. It is. It is the eight at man. The, yeah, yeah, the eight at man. <laughs> It does look like that. Um, number eight in our top 12 is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Phantasmagoria. From 1993. Such a great movie. This is at the hype of Batman the Animated Series. Uh, it was at its peak. I don't think it was at its peak. It was like the year after it started, wasn't it? it they were they were building off the momentum and it continued to go. I'm not saying that this, this, this was the cap of it, but they were capitalizing off the fact that the show had a really good one or two years. And it just, I mean, this was, this was a good a good place for them to do the movie because it had had such a following on the on the on the tv show so you can you can look that up uh it stars the cast from the tv show the batman yes. animated tv show kevin conroy mark hamill Dana Bob Delaney, uh abe vigoda made an appearance yes he did um so basically it's um the, the storyline kind of introduces uh, some other characters uh andrea beaumont who was in the comics, which is which is kind of nice that they kind of did that. They stayed fairly true to the comics throughout the whole um, 
whole series, run the, the whole run. Yeah, they they stayed as true as they really could, with, with the exception of uh, introducing Harley Quinn and reinventing Mister Freeze, which all the credit goes to them for reinventing Mister Freeze for making him such a cool character. Yeah. Now, no so, pun intended. So, ba- so basically, uh, Batman is framed for murders that he didn't commit. Yes. Um, of all these and uh, it's, big it's, higher up mob bosses, it's, it's done by somebody else, and... some some new vigilante in town, yeah. and so Batman needs to solve that crime while trying to solve the crime of who left the door open and let the dog outside. No, I'm just kidding. That's something else. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? It was Alfred. Who? who? Um, no, who? and he has to solve the crime of who this new person is, and he 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 meets some. New enemies and some old enemies in that mm-hmm. Mark Hamill playing the Joker, which is such a wonderful surprise because you see this movie up on the big screen. The Joker isn't introduced until, I'd say, midway through the end. You kind of get some little inklings and some uh, he, well, he some hints. Be, he's not the driving force. No, he's the not. It's the, it's the phantasm thing. Yeah. Yes, which, which is there. So it's so great to have the Joker in there because when you have a Batman he's, anything, he's, you, need to, yeah. you need to have the Joker in. He's, he's the guy. He's the only adversary that ever gives Batman... Any trouble whatsoever. Well, that's not true. Well, consistently, I should say. Yeah. Consistently, yeah, it's the yeah. Joker. It's the Joker, yes. It's, it's the one that's... He's also the most well-known. He's which... the he's the fan favorite. He's the most well-known by anybody who's not a fan. It's... It, he wasn't really a fan favorite until Jack Nicholson kind of did it. Because, I mean, he wasn't really in the serials. He wasn't very popular. I mean, he, he was. Was. Just... was he, though? Yeah. Was... Okay. Yeah, they had some great stories before Jack, Jack Nicholson took Jack over. I know Jack Nicholson kind of, made a, kind of made a nice twist on it. And then Mark Hamill twisted it again, kind of... And then Heath Ledger took a totally different direction yeah. from everything. So, you know, we've talked about it before. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but we've definitely talked about it offline, um, about how Mark Hamill kind of embodies what we think of the Joker needs to be today. You could, you, for today. For today, Mark yes. Hamill is the Joker. And Heath yes. Ledger does a great alternate universe Joker. Yes. But it's not just we who think that. We, we watched that, that, uh, we watched that uh, documentary, the I Know That Voice. That was produced by uh, John DiMaggio, mm-hmm. and they talk about how like Kevin Richard, Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, kind of twists a little bit how Mark Hamill does the voice, but puts his own little you know, gravitas on it. Right. onto it, and and how everybody is trying to be like uh, Mark Hamill just a little bit. But then we talked, they they interviewed the casting director, and she said, "We're not looking for somebody to be Mark Hamill. Right? If we wanted Mark Hamill, we would get Mark Hamill. Right? We're looking for somebody to be." Their own. <laughs> they Joker. probably couldn't afford it, Mark Hamill. Well, they could afford him now. Oh, yeah, but I guess they were casting that. Well, he, he's done the Joker for 20 years? Yeah. And he said that he had retired from it after doing Arkham City, the video game. The second one. Yeah, Arkham yeah. City. But he also said he retired after the first one. Yeah. But then they came back, and the story was well, he, so good that he wanted well, to do it again. He, he technically. Spoiler if you haven't played the game six years ago, he dies at the end of the first one. Uh, so he comes back, and there's kind of like retro video of like yeah, him still kind of doing uh, stuff. He's, he, no, he's still the main villain in the second one. Is he? I thought. I thought that he, he had dies. Died. He dies at the second. Oh no! In the first one, that's right. Then they put bring him to a Lazarus pit, and then he and then he's brought back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're so right. They brought him back to just kind of have him in the movie in the in the game. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. Uh, Mask of the Phantasm was probably the only good animated Batman movie, bar none. Yeah. I there mean, were there were there other we're talking, DVD I'm talk, releases. I'm talking direct to DVD, direct to video. Yeah, yeah. This was probably the best yeah. of of them because oh, yes. it it was made by the same crew that did. It was the Warner Brothers crew that did the animated series. Right, and that's why it was done so well. Is because when you have a TV show that's so well, and you put the guys into the movie, mm-hmm. uh, the, it, it was Bruce Tim. It was uh, I think did Paul was Paul Dini in on it as one of the writers. Who Paul Dini? Yeah, he was in the screenplay. Yeah. Knew it. Yeah, so so when you when you have those guys, it's just ugh, it's so mm-hmm. 
they've they've done comics, they've done you know the animated series. Now they've done this movie, and they're still they're still doing some stuff around in mm-hmm. DC. They they've just done such a, a fantastic job, and they throw them into this movie, and it just it just was such a great. And again, a different twist on the Batman lore of this girl that Bruce Wayne fell in love with, who is also a vigilante. And they meet up at the end, and they're both vigilantes, and I forget kind of what happens at the end. I think she escapes, and he has yeah, to take the Joker to comes, jail. Yeah, yeah. He just kinda, she just kind of comes in to add more tension to the plot. Right. Giggity. Tension. Yeah, maybe. But it was it's still... Christ, it was a Christmas Day release, and it did not win it, it did not get its budget back. It's surprising. Sad. It's very surprising. I think it has more of a cult following. Again... Batman the animated series on on a seventy six minute screen at the time maybe didn't feel good maybe the plot kind of dragged at the time maybe it was, it was a plotting plot maybe um, I know that they said that I don't know if you remember the episode trial from like the season after but, this but as far as Batman movies are concerned this is probably the third or fourth best well I shouldn't say I can't say that now because now that the it's, Christopher Nolan movies are out if you remove Christopher Nolan's well no I mean you could you could still add those in you could it, still, it's, it's top it's top six I think it's better than Dark Knight Rises. Well, there's a lot better than Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. It's would, better than Batman and Robin. Is it better than Batman Forever? Yes. I would put it number five out of eight. If we're going to talk the Tim Burton four. Sure. Or the Tim Burton, th- he did two. Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. Yeah. And yeah. Then, the, then the trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then that movie. I'd put it in the top four. Sure. Maybe top five. And eh, top five kind of be the bottom four. But I'd put it, I'd put it after, I'd put it after, that's a different list for a different day. Um, but I'd go Dark Knight. I'd go. Uh, I'd go Dark Knight Batman. Yep. I'd go. Batman Returns. Ooh, I'd go you? Mark of the Phantasm and then Batman Begins. Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, that's what I said. No, you said Mark of the Phantasm. Whatever. I'd do that, and Batman Begins would be five. All right. Um, I think that what the problem with number with the Batman Begins is it's, think, it's a solid I think, movie. I think Phantasm is better than Batman Returns, in my opinion. You think so? Oh yeah. Okay. As far as Batman story goes, I mean, I like the Batman Returns got fucking weird. Yeah. Too much, too much Tim Burton pooping all over it, man. <laughs> I don't know, but it's still, it's still great. It's for, it's for Batman fans. It's mm-hmm. just, it works so well. It really it does. does. It's, it's very high, highly rated, highly regarded. I, I think, uh, and the voice acting again is just tremendous with Kevin Conroy, just leading the way and doing a better Batman than. Boy, most actors have tried. So Ooh, good, good trivia knowledge here. Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert both regret not seeing it in the theatrical release. Hmm. I saw it in the theatrical release. You bunch of scrubs. You bunch, you bunch of popcorn eating critics. Yeah, exactly. One so. of you died from a heart attack, and I shouldn't make fun of you. And the other one just died recently after yeah. battling cancer for many years. And I both, I respect both of them. They were both my favorites. But they'll always have a black mark on their record by giving Home Alone two thumbs down. Yeah. I can't believe Home Alone was a great movie. Two was a great movie. So they gave Home Alone one, two thumbs down, mm-hmm. which was stupid. But yeah, I can't believe that. But um, anyway, moving on. But remember, Roger Ebert also gave uh, three and a half stars to that movie that we had Brian talk about, the cheerleader one. Remember that? Oh yeah. Oh my god, he gave it three stars. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we'll have to. <laughs> yeah. We'll do something. We'll, something we'll do something later. with that audio. So you want to do number? What are we? Seven now? I can do seven. Cool. I can do. I'll do Iron Giant real quick. Um, as I already just said it, uh, Iron Giant. Um, which is one of my uh, most underrated movies ever. Brian Brian says it's one of the most underrated movies ever. I would I would not agree with that. I think that it's I think it's probably rated well now, but I think at the time it definitely did not uh, garner the right audience. I, I think I think that uh, like PG animated movies in the '90s 
we're a, we're a tough audience because people were still kind of you know they were taking i mean pg at the time in the 90s was still kind of pg it was you know do i want to have my children go see this i'll wait until they're 10 11 or 12 and the movie's not that violent but there is some pretty angry you know tones in it with the There's, government yeah. coming to come down and get yeah. the giant um i mean again uh in true in true fashion it has a good voice acting cast you've got vim diesel and you've got jennifer aniston and i think harry connick jr oh yeah yeah he was in it um but really it's about this this little boy who finds a iron giant and befriends it and it's a great it's a great great movie it's one of and it's it's based during the cold war isn't it where they they're not sure what to do with this mm-hmm. uh with this iron yeah. giant robot they think it could be a soviet spy nobody's sure where it came from so you you have this big mystery of what it is and where it is but he he kind of becomes self-aware and decides that he wants to do what he wants to do like he cho- like the yeah. big message of the movie was like you choose what you want to be and so he at the end shows that he wants to be savior he wants to be superman and he goes mm-hmm. and what well, was a bo- it was a bomb right that he goes and 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 meets in the atmosphere so it explodes and it kills yeah. and it, he explodes and well, it was the just... ending it's a 14 it's a 16 year old movie spoilers yeah spoilers <laughs> and, and so yeah it takes place in the 50s in maine mm-hmm. and you know uh it's, it's an alien i mean it, it's an alien robot right i mean you don't know where it's from it's not a country's robot um it's one of vin diesel's first movies it's not mm-hmm. his first no uh he was in saving private ryan just before this but you could argue that it, it's probably his first. I wonder if they did voice work during Private Ryan or whatever. But it's actually Awakenings was his first. What, but was it a is it a credited 1990, role? Uncredited. His first credited role was multifacial. Oh, I don't. Nineteen ninety five doesn't sound like a movie. And Strays <laughs> in nineteen ninety seven, and then Saving Private Ryan, and then okay. The Iron Giant, so maybe, and then oh, superstardom everywhere. We don't need. Yeah, we don't need to do, go into his list. But oh, let's no. Let's talk. Let's turn this into the Vin Diesel Hour, hmm. and we'll talk about Vin Dog. You can call it. Uh, we'll call it. Uh, Sweet fast, yeah. Sweet fast, sweet, sweet furious. fast, sweet furious. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, it's, and it was Iron Giant. That, uh, it didn't get a lot of um, at the time. It didn't. Yes, it like, did, it's, like yeah. I think it, it, it's one of those movies that has it has really. It didn't get a lot of acclaim. Not at like the time. People, it there was the people like the Iron What? Now? Won, well, it won. I mean, it won its fair share of awards, but it didn't win any Academy Awards. It didn't even get nominated for any Academy Awards. But it won Best Feature Film at the BAFTA Children's. Um, right. it won the Annie Awards. I mean, if anybody knows anything about the Annies, those are the, like the, the those are the Academy Awards for animated movies because right. they, the, the Academy Awards only has one, one category for animated movies, two categories if you count the short films, but the Annies do TV and, and video games and, and movies and, and commercials. They, it's, it is the, the outstanding uh award show if, and if they would air that i'd watch that over the academies any day because the animated movies there's so much more work that can go into animated movies right but it won like all the individual like effects and character design and music and uh, directing and storyboarding and it, it was just an amazing an amazing movie and, and the it, art with the with the light how they did it because his oh, yeah. eyes were mm-hmm. always glowing, and then he would get mm-hmm. electrocuted. It would the, the, be dark. Blend, He'd have his blend, eyes on. Yeah, the blend of CG and, yeah. and, and hand-drawn animation was, was, it was spectacular. Oh, it, it was so cool. It was not. So and cool. It was directed by by Brad Bird, who, if you know anything, The Incredibles. Yeah, The Incredibles. Woo! And and he was he was an executive consultant on 180 Simpsons episodes, and then in the in the in the golden years. Oh, uh, he was the critic executive. Uh, King of the Hill for an episode, but I mean, he's directed such movies like you had said, like The Incredibles, and 
Ratatouille. And he directed two Simpsons episodes, like Father Like Clown and Rusty Gets Busted. Those are two great episodes. Those are good ones, yeah. Um, Do the Bartman was his TV short that he did. Okay. I mean, but in, so, I'm not taking away from... from maybe, it's the Brad Bird hour, everyone. That's a, that, was, that was Brad Bird's first motion picture. Sure. Was Iron Giant. And he didn't do another one until Incredibles. And Incredibles was, was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it really and Iron was. Giant was really good, too. Uh, and he went for Ratatouille. He did. Yeah, he did. That was a good movie. That we'll do. That's another list we talked about it earlier. We'll yeah. do that because there are twelve Pixar movies. We will do all twelve. Yes. Not in order. We're gonna we're gonna favorite yeah. them. So, um. So anyway, go see Iron Giant. Yes, go find it somewhere. Because I it's... think TBS used to do a twenty four hour Iron Giant marathon. When that'd be um, that'd be so weird. It was probably ten fifteen years ago. Mm, fifteen years ago would have been right when it came out. Maybe ten years. That's yeah. weird that they would do that. Though. It, it came around once a year. And for two, three years in a row, I remember coming home from school or wherever the hell That's I was. So weird. And they, they had a 24-hour Iron Giant marathon. And mm. I would watch as much as I could. It's like, hey, Iron Giant's on. I'd have play video games and watch Iron Giant. Or read books, watch Iron Giant. Come home from swim practice, Iron Giant was still on. Watch Iron Giant. You know? And then mm. that was it. That was my taste of Iron Giant for like the year. And that was good. I was, I was, I was it's set. a tough one to find because I don't think any of the streaming sites have it. And it's not, you know... Unless you go, unless you're a, an avid Amazon uh, purchaser, you're not going right. to find it in the. T- you're not going to find right. it in, in the in the TV. Right. At, at like your local Best Buy or uh, t- Target. Now you might. I mean, it is one of those again that we say is is kind of out there in the test of time. But... If if you find it, you got to check it out. You got to pick it up. It's good. Yeah. So moving on, number seven. Um, number six. Seven six. Number six is the Land Before Time. Number one. one. Number one. Number the only, one. The only one that we'll ever recognize. The Land Before Time 1. That's the only movie that's worth recognizing in that awful... I shouldn't say awful. It became awful. But they did... God, I think they did 15 sequels. That's so many. Um, and they were all direct-to-DVD. Or direct-to-tape at the, at the time. But right. They did too many movies. But the original one from 1988, the, the Don Bluth directed and produced movie with George Lucas and Spielberg on it. Mm-hmm. That is the best of them and it is it's baby dinosaurs what more do you want people it's dinosaurs at the time where dinosaurs were becoming cool again yeah because they kind of go in spurts yeah they do if you think about it because this came out and then it wasn't six years later until or five years later until jurassic park came out Mm -hmm. but this movie was was amazingly animated it was expertly crafted in a story it was these kids who got separated from their parents and grandparents and they were trying to find their way to the to the new land dinosaur kids not actual children yeah so it it was one of those the reason it's so high on the list is because it was from our childhood Mm -hmm. and so i remember going to pizza hut and we'd get like the toys and we'd go to the movie theater and saw the movie love the movie it was so Mm -hmm. unique uh being a kid to watch you know big dinosaurs and you saw t-rex fighting brontosaurus and and you you know they, the the little dinosaur kids try had to have a plot to you know throw the T Rex into the mm-hmm. into the pond or river lake. Whatever. But I mean it, it it's you know whatever it was. W- watching it as an adult now, it's really neat. Kind of all the hidden themes for adults on there, because when you when you think about it, it deals a lot with prejudice. Uh, because the the long necks couldn't get along with the three horns and and the spike tails and the swimmers and the flyers. I mean, they, there's there's they have these these names for all of these different types of, of dinosaurs. And, and it, it really kind of bites on, on racism and prejudice. And they have to kind of band together to, to define their way to the Great Valley, which is, where, which is where they're supposed to meet. She's all excited. And, you know, Charlie's excited because she wants to see this movie now, too. I know. Yeah, it's exciting. But, you know, it, for it being a movie 
uh, for kids, it's definitely kind of nice to see that they can put their prejudices aside to find their way to the Great Valley to reunite with their parents and uncles and, and grandparents. And there's a lot of sad parts in it. And tree stars. How many tree stars do you want to eat? I want to eat all of them. I do. They always looked so good. They did, but it was just leaves for crying out loud. <laughs> but, I, I, need mean, some, I need some chloroform. It's just... Just the whole movie. Or chlorophyll, was, was, not chloroform. Yeah. Chlorophyll. Chlorophyll. <laughs> You'd be falling yeah. asleep after you have one or two. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it, it, it touches a lot of things. I mean, Littlefoot's mother dies. Yeah. Uh, Saving him from the T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Sharp, so, sharp, sharp tooth. Yeah, sharp tooth. So, I mean, so he has to live with his grandparents, but it just kind of touches on that, you know, on, on, you know, sticking together with family. And, it, I mean, it, it's such a, it's such a good movie but it also is a very sad movie in some parts it is it's very touching it, it helps kids deal with death and like ryan was saying before you know racism and prejudices and things like that mm-hmm. which i didn't catch on uh, up on you know well, i didn't now that's why i'm saying not yeah. watching it as an adult yeah I'm it's very these... yeah it's very good like it's okay for long necks to be friends with three horns and etc mm-hmm. etc and webbed feet thing whatever ducky was ducky yeah so. a web they called them web feet then there was the was dome was? heads yeah um We'll see. There was let's go. We've got spike tail swimmers, flyers, three horns, long necks, hoppers. Um, I think that's it. Big mouth swimmer, mm-hmm. ducky, the big mouth swimmer. Okay, sure. So they they had you know fun. Whose cheery company bears him out of his depression because yeah. Littlefoot was depressed, of course. Yes. Petrie had aerophobia. The flying. Yeah, the that's flying right. And, he, and he was afraid of heights. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, you know, it, it touches on a lot of things that as a kid you don't really pick up on, but but I'm looking at it now and it. It's it's ridiculous how many. Yeah. yeah, it was great. I loved watching it as a kid. So, but yeah, that that's one that that I would show my kids when they're a little bit older. I mean, mm-hmm. right now it's kind of it's a little maybe uh, a little too young. Yeah. I don't know, four or five, probably a good age for that movie. You think so? Yeah. I it came out in '88. I think I saw it. I think I saw it when I was probably four, four or five. I think mm-hmm. when I saw it. Um, but I definitely. Oh, Rob Paulson did a voice on the one of the sequels. Of course he did. Who's Rob Paulson? Uh, he was uh, Pinky and Pinky and the Brain. Oh, okay. Neat. So let's see how many Land Before Times there were before we move on. There were... A to- oh my god, they just did a new one this year. <laughs> no way! Land Before Time 14. How do they still make money? They don't. They have... I don't know how they can. They obviously still do. They wouldn't be doing 14 movies. So yeah, so, so it originally was... You know, That's them, insane. They did one and then they did two. The Great Valley Adventure. Right. And then they did, an, so then, so that was 94. So there was, what, six years between that? Yeah. And then they did one in 95. 96, 97, 98, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2006, 2007. And then eight-year hiatus gets you back to 2015. Can we say this is the greatest franchise of all time? No, we cannot. <laughs> 15 movies. How about the most longest, the longest-running movie franchise? So, as confirmed, albeit accidentally in an interview... The new film is slated for release after a hiatus of eight years. Additionally, an interview with Littlefoot's new voice actor confirmed further details on the project. Wait, wait, wait. These, he's still named Littlefoot? He's not... No, they're, they're still kids. Oh, jeez. So it's like the Simpsons of movie, the movie yeah. world? In this adventure, Little Bigfoot... Little Bigfoot. Little Bigfoot. <laughs> Littlefoot and his friends try to find Braun. I don't know who Braun is. After he fails to return from a journey. Trying to find Ryan Braun and why he sucked Ryan so much Braun. last year. Anyway, that that's awful that they're doing another one. Just yeah. let let sleeping dogs lie... After the first one, you didn't have to make 14 sequels to this movie franchise. I mean... <sighs> 14 sequels. <sighs> That's insane. All right. Wow, this this website's awful. What is it? The first... The, the, the synopsis for the first movie. 
They face dangers such as starvation, sharp teeth, and splitting up. <laughs> I think there's only one sharp tooth they had to worry about. Yeah. Well, there was two. I think there were two Tyrannosauruses. Were there? Okay. I think so. So, uh, number five. Number five. Number five. Number five is Despicable Me. Again, a movie that I couldn't separate one and two from. They both have yeah, their. They're both very good. They both have their 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 finer points to them. So so we we went with the original. The first one, which well, kind of I'll talk about all. both because I did okay. Kung Fu Panda two. I'll talk about both. Right, the first right. one, I did not see the first one first. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and saw the second one first after hearing about how good the first one was. My problem with the first one was I was working at uh, Best Buy at the time, and when the movie came out, they had a an app that you could download. And on that app that you could download, it was supposed to translate what the minions were saying at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, yes. But the, I, it, you just you got overmarketed. You got it, you got too hyped. It up was overmarketing. Well, there was a little bit of overmarketing. Again, same thing with the Hangover. But the the whole point of the minions is you're not supposed to understand what they're saying. And if you're getting an app from Best Buy, from Best Buy, or from <laughs> anybody for that matter, it's not translating what you want it to say. It's, it's it's where it's translating what they want you to hear. Right. It's not. It was not from the director. It was not from the screenwriter. It was Best Buy translating it for you, and they maybe got okay to say some of these things, but half the allure of the minions is the fact that their jibber jabber is so is so fun to just listen to without having to translate it. You can tell what they want, what they're saying based on their actions and what they're doing. You don't need a translator for that. So I got a little upset with that. So when I went and saw the second one, I had no expectations, and when I got out of the movie. I was thrilled. I was blown away with how fantastic that movie was. So I went back and watched the first one, and I really enjoyed the first one as well. But Despicable Me is a great movie that's definitely another kind of movie about family sticking together or even just discovering what family is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first movie you know, is, is grew in his journey into becoming, like, it, from, from being the world's, one of the world's best supervillains to being a serviceable dad to these to these orphans. three orphans that he adopts as part of his evil schemes but he learns he learns that there is more to to life than just being an evil villain mm-hmm. that 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 there are things that can make him happy and he didn't really have a good upbringing with his mother and they do kind of touch on that so and at the end he, he you know his mother does congratulate him for being a good like father type person to these kids and it just this is a movie that that my kids they're three and two and they like it because of the minions but I'll watch it a lot just because I I enjoy what the movie represents and then the second movie expands on that you know they don't have a mom figure every other kid in school has a mom except for these three girls and and while it's okay to not have a mom and to have a dad you know it is tough for three girls to not have a mother and so Gru kind of falls in love I, I it feels a little shoehorn when you kind of say it like I'm saying it now but. But he does fall in love, and they end up, you know, happily ever after. And there's a third movie coming out, and a Minions movie coming out. But I think Despicable Me, I think the creators of it, Illumination Entertainment, had no idea what they had with Minions No, when they made the movie originally. I think they knew that they had something, but it is just... We've talked, we talked about it on our Comic-Con recap. I don't think they realized how big the Minions would come. Sure. They, they're everywhere. People are drawing them to make money off of them, and they're, you know, and that's great, and... And they're making a movie about it this year. That's the, basically the the prequel to all the movies. Kind of how the minions uh, came to to be with Gru. Um, but I I think that Despicable Me is a, is a great great movie that that will kind of stand the test of time, like Land Before Time. It it, it is kind of a a movie that you can show to really any any age group at any time, and and it'll be a 
uh, a good movie. And it's it's Illumination again, so it's not you know like I said we're we're kind of all over the board here. We don't have too many uh, movies from one or the other, which is why we didn't want to have oh. Disney on here because Disney would yeah have, it would have it would have we would have had we would have had a few of these movies on here. Um, but really, you could probably push off the bottom like seven eight of these of these movies yeah. and it, we would just be left with those exactly and that's so. and that's and that's not and that, and that that's not taken away from any of these other movies yeah. and all these movies are great in their own right but you know this has been around longer and they have more money and i don't want to use those as as, as excuses as to why they would be on the list but but they also have great storytellers and they know how to make a movie so that's why we split it up and despicable me is, on, is number four on this list i would put despicable me two higher than despicable me one but again we're we, we, we ran into that issue when we did our podcast before that we would do, you know, sequels. We would put sequels on here and then half your list would get dominated with the same movie. And right. We don't want that. I mean, it, there are plenty of other movies to, to discuss. So we're going to move on to number... Number four. Number four is How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon. What about your dragon? And is How to Train Your Dragon. You Are Dragon. You Are Dragon. How to Train You Are Dragon. <laughs> uh, second DreamWorks movie on here. Uh, the title says it all. It's based off a children's book. On how to train a dragon. Another again, uh, in in true DreamWorks fashion, has a great uh, voice cast. Has a great voice cast. Has a great um, story along with it. Uh, basically, it's a, it's a kind of a fish out of water tale. Uh, Hiccup is the uh, kid's name, uh, voiced by Jay Baruchel. Um, doesn't want to. Doesn't really want to follow his dad's warrior footsteps, yeah. which is voiced by Gerard Butler. Yes, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be. A dragon slayer necessarily. He's got other methods of doing it. Right. Um, he doesn't. He's not. He's not built like everybody else in the in in the the, the town. He's really small. Um, he ends up being the the only guy to catch the night something dragon night craw- not night craw- crawler. Yeah, night, it was night crawler. It was definitely night crawler. Uh, but he. Uh, <laughs> um, but he ends up training this dragon and finds out that dragons aren't necessarily evil. Evil that they that they're, they're only aggravated because the humans. You don't want it's, to it's, fight well, the dragons. It's a double purpose. Right. They're, they're, they're aggravated because the humans keep fighting them, but really it's because they're under kind of the spell of a larger type of dragon. Yeah. So they, they're only there looking for food to send back to them. And it's, the, you know, so really it, it's, it's these two, it's, it's the dragon, uh, it's the dragon toothless and it's, um, hiccup, uh, kind of banded together to kind of show that, you know, these, these two, uh, these two races for lack of a better term can coexist and 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 they can they can thrive as one and they can be friendly and all this and it's a really great movie uh, about that and in the animation uh this was a leap forward uh you know it was only two years after kung fu panda but it was a leap forward in, in right. their animation because the the hair and the the fur and the scale it just it was really well done and then when they did how to train your dragon 2 they took it another step level and they're actually their animation in how to train your dragon 2 is better than any Disney Pixar movie. Oh, bar really? None. It was that good. It was it was approaching kind of Uncanny Valley. It didn't hit there, which is okay, uh, but it really looked way too good to be a movie. Hmm. Um, and and that one actually tells a great story because it's uh, Hiccup, uh, and they're they're all dragon riders now. And there's uh, there's people out there who don't like the dragon riders and they're trying to catch them all. And, and it's, it's a really no don't really spoil good it. I am going to see it. It's, really, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Um, but but again. Uh, DreamWorks when they know what they're when when they're not trying to copy Disney, yeah, they make great movies. Yeah, and this is one that Disney didn't do anything with dragons or medieval. No, they 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 hadn't done anything medieval since Sword in the Stone, really, yeah. or Robin Hood. Um, 
but but it was it wasn't an original idea. Again, that's that's neither of these companies really have too many original ideas, but they definitely um, they definitely found a an, a an intellectual property worth making stories on. And they did the first one. They did the second one. They're going to do a third one. I mean, it, it's not that they're really making up new stories to try to prolong the series. They've they have all these books. I mean, there's there's a series of books on how to train your dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think what's his face? Neil Patrick Harris made a quip at the Academy Awards saying that How to Train Your Dragon Two is the movie where apparently the first one wasn't good enough because you still have to train your dragon or something. And whatever it it's just a I, mean, I understand what he was saying, but no, I, it's a great it is a definitely a great movie. It's it's definitely our, in the top four here. Uh, I think again I would rate two higher than one, which seems to be a common theme here for me. That number two is better than yeah, number one. Yeah, which is strange because normally sequels don't do as well as the no. first ones or whatever. No. Um, it used to be the trend where the second was never as good as the first. And that started to get bucked a little by Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that was definitely the better but, one too. And, you know, but, but, you know, before that or even 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 after that, it, it's, it's really kind of hit or miss. Because Lost World was not better than the first Jurassic Park. Back to the Future 2 wasn't better than Back to the Future 1. No, it was not. Um, Godfather 2... It was better than arguably the arguably better than Godfather yeah. one. Um, it's longer. <laughs> yes, it sure is. Uh, let's go to number three. Uh, the snubbed Oscar nominee yes. this year. Oh, the Lego Movie. The Lego oh movie. my gosh, what a fantastically fun time! It was all hyped up. Everybody said you had to go see it. You had to go see it. You had to go see it. And it took me a while to actually go see it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it. I'm like, why did it take me this long to go see this movie? It was so fun. And that is the best word I can describe this. It's just fun. Ryan and I grew up in the age of Legos. Like, that was what we did we, we were, I when was, we were younger. I was in the Lego theme right before they started doing the the themed sets that were, you, mm. you know, movie, you know, like, based off of real stuff. I mean, like, the last, like, one of, like I always wanted to get, like, the castle set. Sure. And they were in there, but they were starting to get, they were starting to get weaned out in a, in, in like the, doing like the cityscape, right? And then they started doing the the themed. They had some space, yeah. Like those Saturn, were, those were all going away because then they were starting to do movies. Ice Planet was cool. Yeah, they were starting to do some of the things I didn't really care about. Some of the right. techie stuff. So I did play with Legos a lot, and I mm-hmm. had like the city stuff, but I really wanted the castle stuff. Uh, and then they started doing things like you know they went back to doing Star Wars. They started doing uh, other people's properties on their Legos. Now that's all you can get. Now there's very few original sets now with Legos. But what was great about this movie. Because they incorporated both, actually everything. They incorporated the old stuff. They incorporated the new stuff. Uh, it just it felt like we were watching a movie based on what we would have played with our yeah, Legos. Exactly, and that's really the theme of the movie too. Yes. Is, is the the kid and the father have different ideas on how to play with Legos, and and it's a it's a very touching story. The 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 song everything is awesome is by far probably one of the catchiest songs you'll ever hear in a movie, and that's the whole point. Is it's the only song that in this world where everything has to be perfect. It's the only song you have. So they, they definitely made it a song where I could listen to that kind of on repeat for a while. Yeah. Everything I, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, and it was Chris Pratt now during his hype of, or not his hype, but his, uh, during the high uh, of his, his, his rise, his, his rise now to, to superstardom, uh, was another, um, good stop off. Yeah. It was, it was another good stopping point for him to, to kind of show that he can do it all mm-hmm. with a, a tremendous voice acting. And then they brought everybody else, and they brought Charlie Day and Will Arnett to play Batman. And who was the girl? Elizabeth Banks. Thank you, was the Elizabeth girl. Banks. Yeah. Um, Morgan Freeman was in it. Will Ferrell. Alison Brie was in it as as the Unikitty. And yes. Oh, that was her. Okay. They had uh, you know Anthony Daniels played himself. C three PO. He played himself in the movie. Oh, okay. 
Um, yeah, and then and it was cool because you got to see Morgan Freeman. Something you know, something that never happened where you would have Batman, Superman, the Ninja Turtles, what Simpsons were in it, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, uh, um, Gandalf, Dumbledore. Gan- yeah, Gandalf, Dumbledore. All these movie franchises coming together in Lego form the, the to 19- be on the big screen. Was it the, the 1999 All- NBA All Star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sha- Shaq was in it. All-Stars. Yeah, Shaq was in it. So, <laughs> so they had all these great franchises that they've been basically purchasing over the years and they have the rights to it and then they made this movie and and they made it work mm-hmm. it was so great yeah it didn't have all superman all the time and it didn't have all green Lantern, but it had a little bit a little but taste it, so it could it was... satisfy everybody that wanted to see these 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 uh, uh sets so to speak yeah. these lego sets up on the screen and it focused uh, uh really solely on a few of these characters that were kind of from all over the uh, the Lego it was, universe. It was, it was the one the characters that they focused on were the ones that didn't have their place, and that was the whole point: is that everybody mm-hmm. shouldn't have your place. You should be able to play freely. You should be able to build what you want to build. There shouldn't be the rules. And so, you know, the the master builder uh, was part of the city set, but he, you know, he was, you know, he really didn't have his place, but he found a he found where his place was. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think I think it was just a lot of funny. Some of the the inside jokes with the the Green Lantern always following Batman and wanting to be you know big friends. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of funny because um, I could see that you know maybe happening in like the Justice League because Green Lantern's <laughs> kind of the you know because Hal Jordan sucks. Yeah, and it was just funny because it was jo- Jonah Hill doing that voice too, and it was Will Arnett. Um, but yeah, I think I think that I think that everybody I mean, again this is another oh, Phil right. Miller. Yeah, in the Star Wars, you said Star Wars. This is a Phil Miller Chris Lord movie. Yeah. So again, Clone High and Cloudy with a Chance. So they're on this list twice, which is pretty sweet. Um, but they wrote the screenplay for it, directed it. They do everything. So, mm-hmm. so I think I think Lego Movie is pretty good uh, at just being an awesome movie. Everything is awesome in this movie, as the song says. And and I, I'm sure they're doing a sequel. And it takes a lot of time to film with Legos. So uh, I don't think we'll see one for at least a couple of years. But uh, let's move on quickly to number two. Uh, number two is kind of on the list. I don't know if it's it's on the list because of just we have to have it on the list because that's who we are. But uh, the South Park movie from 1999, bigger, longer, uncut. This was the movie. This was really their swan song. They yes, thought, it was. They thought yes, they were going to get canceled. Yep. Uh, so they made this movie. Kind of went all out for this movie. I think that this movie has the greatest soundtrack to all these other movies combined. Probably does. When you think about it, they wrote all their original music. Yes, and it was so fantastic. Mm-hmm. They they got an Oscar nom for it as well, and they came to the Oscars they high. Lost. <laughs> and they lost. And they it wore so they wore funny. they wore the scandalous dresses dress, from. Yeah. From years prior. Yeah. Oh, that was... Yeah, that was just... That was fantastic. But yeah, that's not about the movie. No. Uh, but no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to really go through the South Park movie, the synopsis of it. If you haven't seen it, and it's been 16 years, and that's... <laughs> you dumb. I mean, we talked about how Iron Giant was 16 years old, but that one wasn't as popular as the South Park movie, so don't do that. Um, So, but yeah, it's... Actually, I'm going to say it now. Don't do that. It picks up on the microphone. Jerk. It picks up on the microphone? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, But... You know, really, the South Park movie, Terrence and Philip make a movie. Right. Parents don't like it. War ensues. The Can- the Great Canadian-American War of 1999 ensues. Yeah. Hey, had you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? I don't, I don't listen to hip-hop. Bill Gates dies in the movie. <laughs> Actually, but everything goes back to normal. And the Baldwins die. Yeah, yeah. The oh, Baldwins the Baldwins die. are dead? You know what's real? It sucks about being a Baldwin? Nothing! <laughs> and then they retaliate by yeah. taking out the Arquettes. Yeah, and the, the music, it has some of the greatest lines. I can never remember if I'm quoting a line from the movie or if I'm quoting a line from the show. And nine times out of ten, it's a line from the from the movie. Mm-hmm. They, they, again, like Ryan was saying, this was supposed to be their last hurrah. Goodbye, for, farewell, everyone. And then the movie did so well that, you know, Comedy Central was like, well, you guys can come back and maybe do another season. Yeah, and now uh, that was 
15 seasons ago. Yeah, so they're still trucking. They are. It's it's a great movie. I, I it's well, one of my really great. It's, it's a musical. It's going to be on our musical yeah. list when when we get around yeah. to that it's, as well. It's on my it's it's on my yearly watch list. I do watch this movie pretty much yearly, oh, at least so once. It's so good. It really they they did such a, a great job. You really can't talk much about the voice acting because it's all been kind of computer dubbed over because they do all of the the, yeah. the voicing for all the this, ca- this for was most kind of, of the well, characters. You, you could say that this was the movie or this was the time where they did final finalize the voices. Yes, because all the voices were yeah. very finalized in the movie because Butters was finalized. Yeah, and, and I think the only voices that they really tweaked were just would have been ancillary characters like Tweak or Craig yeah. or, or Clyde. But really, the the, the core group. They they got them down in this movie because they had time to do the, sure. the the post production on their voices. So, but yeah, it's it's a watch. Go watch. Go watch now. Mm-hmm. Go watch it a hundred times. Uh, recite the music and uh, remember it yes. because it's it's fantastic. It's so, yeah, such a great soundtrack. So let's re- let's recap real quickly here. Uh, number twelve was uh, Roger Rabbit. No, number twelve was number nine. Oh, that's right. I, <laughs> funny story. I have Roger Rabbit written down here, but it doesn't count because it was a Touchstone movie. Yes, so I had to remove that from the list. So number twelve was nine. Number twelve was nine. Number eleven was Cloudy with Meat. Number ten. ten was an American Tale. Number nine is Kung Fu Panda. Number six is Batman. Eight. Eight? God, <laughs> too much to drink. I didn't even have that much. I think I'm just Eight tired. Eight is Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Seven then, is the Iron Giant. Six, The Land Before Time. No, now you're off again. Damn it! No, you're not. No, five I'm not. is a Five me. is a Strickle movie. Come on. Four, How to Train Your Dragon. Three, Lego movie. See what movie. happens when you don't number the list. Shut up. This is the second week. Number two, not, South Park. I will not suffer through another insubordination such as this <laughs> next week. And number one, which now I'm regretting that we put that number one because we should put South Park number one. But no, that's okay. I think this. I think this is the better movie. You think it is? I think it is. All right. Number one is Shrek. Yes, the first Shrek. Not none of the well, other two, nine number, Shreks. No, number two, I would argue, is better than Shrek one. It I don't think better, so. Has a better soundtrack. So. Has a better story. Okay. Well, soundtrack has nothing. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's no. all. You just said the yeah. South Park had the best soundtrack out of all the other no, movies I meant combined. Like original sound, like song, <laughs> musical soundtrack. That way, not like let's who can find the best ACDC. Shrek's also, I think, the only movie, movie on this list to have won an Academy Award. So up yours. Oh, huh? maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to fact check, but I know Shrek did win. That was one year that uh, Disney didn't win. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, I think, won too. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Shrek won. Oh. We'll go Shrek one, and we'll go Shrek two as well because they're both Shrek one. Was oh my gosh! It you didn't know what you had. We we got it. I think I I don't even think I saw it in theaters. I think I got it as like VHS for Christmas. Ooh, VHS. And exactly. Yeah, that's right, people. VHS. Wiki, wiki. Old school. So we got VHS and we watched it, and all of a sudden you're just like, oh my god! And I was older at the time, and I'm like, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. like this cartoon. But I watched it with my younger brother, and he's like, this is gonna be a stupid movie. I'm thinking in the back of my head mm-hmm. as I'm playing with my Game Boy or whatever the hell I had at the time, and I started watching this movie. And you realize how fantastic it is. And it's it was one of those movies that um, animated movies are getting into now that spans generations. Yeah, it's not it was, just for kids because it it's a really, cartoon. It was really probably the first wide appeal movie computer animated. Yes. It really started that. Because before this, you had Toy Story, which had a few inside jokes. Mm-hmm. You had Toy Story 2. You had Bug Life. I mean, Disney did its best to do that, but Shrek was PG. And there were other animated cartoons that yes. had, oh, it was, you know, the adults would say, oh, it's cute, but you know, it was good mm-hmm. for the kids to see this. But you have this where, like, you saw this, and I was, I was, I was definitely a teenager at the time mm-hmm. when this one came out, and I, I couldn't believe how great it was. Yeah. And all of my friends, we'd, we'd go, and we'd go to, like, little parties and get-togethers, and we'd watch Shrek. Because it was that funny at 15, yeah. 16 years old. And it, it's just, and it, it's funny because it's making fun of the old movies that you watch, all the old yes. fairy tales. Yes. But yeah, I think it, it was a PG movie, but it was a PG movie again after, because we talked about how Iron Giant was PG, but it was a little bit more dark. This one was very bright colored. 
and and again it's it's a story about a, uh, an ogre saving a princess but the princess has warped ideals about how it's supposed to be and who's got a secret and you've got eddie murphy playing a donkey uh, i mean it's just it was a it was a great again it was another great voice cast which which we know dreamworks is good at doing but this was really kind of the first of of the new wave of dream of dreamworks i wonder if you know i'd, I'd have to look at to see maybe what happened um around this time with dreamworks animation but but i do know that this one was was 2001 and just the, the cast that they had with mike myers eddie murphy cameron diaz cameron john diaz. lithgow yeah. uh you know you had such a really big cast uh in, in this movie and then that just expanded on with uh with shrek 2 you know you you added uh tillin mcdermott i think or dermot Mulroney you mean or something dermot mcdermott yeah dermot mcdermott <laughs> Dermot McDermott. I have no. I never remember that guy's name. Uh, and I always confuse Dermot McDermott with uh, Dylan Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney and the guy who was in the the bridesmaid or yeah, made of made of honor. There was there was that, uh, those two guys. There was an SNL sketch that was Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney. Oh really? Yeah, it's really funny. You'll have to watch. We'll watch it. Oh after my this. god, I didn't know that. That's that's really funny. Yeah, you'll have to watch it after this. It's pretty yeah, funny. Dermot McDermott or McDermott McDermott. <laughs> but no, this was just you know it it won the Academy Award. It won the BAFTA, it won the Annie. This started DreamWorks, kind of the the DreamWorks Renaissance. If you want to, if you want to coin phrases, you know, Disney's Renaissance started with Little Mermaid. Yeah, uh, Pixar kind of has always been in a Renaissance, and Shrek kind of started the DreamWorks Renaissance. Yes, it did. For a long time yeah. there, they they made some. For for a while there in the middle, they kind of made those good movies. Now, of course, they did Shrek three in there, and they did Shark Tale in there. But Shrek really was was a good a good start mm-hmm. to, to there. And, and Shrek is also based off a book again, so it wasn't an IP, but. Um, just, it was a great it animation a, for the time. Yes. It was, oh, f- yes, it really was. It, it, it told a great story. Um, they had again, like that. Brian had said they had good, good inside jokes for the adults, but yet the kids could still kind of be oblivious to how that was. Mm-hmm. This was really the start of, of, of those kind of jokes. Of being having a cartoon movie for everybody. Yeah, it wasn't just well, it's cartoon therefore kids. It was yeah. no, it's going to be a cartoon and you're, everybody's going to like it. Yeah, it, it wasn't a cartoon just for adults like South Park. No, that uh, was that was clearly or uh, just for adults. Yeah, so. but. Yeah, so Shrek Shrek makes the top of the list because it is the all-encompassing. Uh, it, it's basically the pinnacle of. Uh, I shouldn't say the pinnacle. It's, it's probably really, it's the really, first real movie to give Disney a run for their money. For a long time, yes. Yeah. All of a sudden, um, boom! Hey, no more Disney. We're gonna do something else now. You know? Yeah. It, it was no more copying. It was no more. Uh, I mean, and this was I think this was DreamWorks probably first fully 3D movie as well because they were doing like Road to El Dorado and sure. Prince of Egypt before that. So, so this was probably the first fully 3d movie for them and it worked and then they yeah. continued on with that and, and you know, the rest is history as we've been through the list sure so um, um that's the list i hope you all enjoyed if you have any thoughts or anything else uh tweet drop us, us a line comment us give us a tweet give us an email do all those fun things we're on the facebook we are sometimes we're on the facebook but i don't think i update it very that's often okay. I just get, you get a hold of us on twitter i kind of hate i kind of hate facebook right it's just so much work and i just hate being on i haven't used it in a while that's a that's a rant for a different day but yeah. let's move on to the vault pick of the week uh when you listen to this parks and rec will have ended and tuesday night so is sad. tuesday night is the last episode ever it for is. all time it is sad this is one of the shows that my wife and i watch all the time we 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 kept up on it ever since season two we we saw the we, we got the dvds from my older brother who's like you gotta watch parks and rec you gotta watch parks and rec you gotta watch parks and rec and he's and, like fine i'll watch it and he's like fine i'll watch blah 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 and I watched it originally in season one. I never really got into season one a lot. I didn't either. That's when I stopped. And then that's yeah, exactly. And so because it was tough because they didn't really know what they were going to do because they just did a copy pasta of The Office, mm-hmm. which was a huge hit, and they just put it in a Parks which and Recreation was, which facility, which was a copy pasta of The Office of the British Office, right? <laughs> so 
we have this copy pasta of a copy pasta, and you, it was funny, but you weren't like you weren't just sold. Been there, it, done it was that. okay, exactly. That's what it was for me. But then season two rolls around, and it's a completely different show. Okay, and this is this is what got me and my wife hooked was season two with Amy Poehler, Chris Pratt. And Adam Scott come in. Rashida Jones. And Rashida Jones was in. And Rob Lowe being the big heavy hitters. Uh, oh, and then, Nick of course, um, Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. And the, the the cast gelled so well together and was a launching pad for all for many of these uh, uh, TV show per- or these show personalities with Aubrey Plaza and Chris Platt, Pratt, excuse me, and Nick Offerman. Uh, and you know, kind of give Adam Scott's career new life now that he's kind of free to do what he wants. And you know, mm-hmm. he had some uh, success with Party Down, but then became a bigger hit uh, on Park and Rec- Parks and Recreation. So you you saw these, and, and put Amy Poehler just on the map. Well, you, well you know? Amy Poehler was on the map from SNL, right? But this, I mean, this took her to the next level, yeah. where she was able to kind of carry a show mm-hmm. with this crew, and, and to 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 watch the, these these cast of characters kind of grow. Uh, and see their movie careers develop for some, and just kind of see what other um, projects that they do on the side. You you kind of get used to these characters, and you you follow the, their their careers. They cannot you know, be you know, Rob Lowe. They cannot be Rob Lowe, and th- and that's fine. Or uh, be and, or, uh, and, paranoid Rob Lowe. And one of the one of the funny jokes is I've kind of uh, seen some behind the scenes footage and uh, some uh, interviews with the cast and characters is they do a lot of ad libbing. You know they do they do what what the writers write, but then they always try and have a contest to see who can be the best ad lib. Of that week. Hmm. So they always leave a little time, you know, because they're all from stand-up. They're all from, you know, improv comedy, with the exception of Rob Lowe, who's just a tremendous comedian. Mm-hmm. And they go on, and they just kind of go on fun little rants at times. And and to see the bloopers and to see the, the you know, what, when they tell you in these interviews whose ad-lib makes it on the show, just makes it more enjoyable. It shows that these the, the, the cast and the crew just mm-hmm. had such a great time filming this this show, this season, this series was just so refreshing, and it didn't get many great reviews. Everybody's just kind of done with it now. NBC's done with it right now. They're doubling. They doubled up on episodes this entire season. I think they mm-hmm. had about fourteen or fifteen episodes, and they showed each one back to back for well, six they, weeks straight. Yeah. Well, they wanted to get it done before March, and then they'll put a new show on. And they'll put a new show on, and, and they were done with it. It's and, all right. And it's. I mean, it, it's okay for me because I get to watch back to back episodes, and I get to kind of get my I get my fill for the, mm-hmm. for the day when I watch two in a row. But it's it's sad that it's it's over, and I'm going to be. It's it's going to be into my my uh, TV rotation. You know, whenever I go to bed, I always have a show on, and this is going to make you know this makes the rotation yes. right now uh, with Scrubs, with Friends, with The Simpsons, with you know Seinfeld. Yeah. The, the shows that I will watch continuously. You know, forever be in my my library. So yeah, we put on the vault the pilot episode. If you want to start somewhere, I know we Brian had said that season one wasn't the greatest. You but you got to power gotta through start. it. It does a it ha, it does great job of introducing the characters. After I watched season two, I went back and watched season one again. Much like Bob's Burgers, um, we've talked about that last last week uh, or a couple weeks ago. Um, you need to you need to watch through season one because season two hits the stride. It's, it sets oh, it th- sets up season two. There are so many good shows that have poor season ones, mm-hmm. and that's the ones the people who stick through the, the season one and keep watching. Those are the shows that stay on very long. Right, uh, like Simpsons had a terrible season one comparatively. Yes, and, and, and season two through same thing with South Park. Was, uh, South Park season one was not great. There was good episodes, but not great. I, you could say the same for Friends season one. It was just mm-hmm. okay. Seinfeld again until you still learn, stride. You learn to love these characters. Yeah, and and you grow with them. And it's also the writers and the cast, and, right? And, and, the and they they figure there. out what yeah. they want to do. Yeah, 
once you get through the first season jitters because you film a lot of those at once then right you're, right all right let's what what can we work on for season two exactly so go check that out go watch it please um, do in 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 memoriam of in, of the wonderful parks and recreation uh thank you i know everyone from the casting crew is listening from parks and recreation to our podcast yes, right now rob so. Lowe, we we feel for you <laughs> i remember watching you and tommy boy and yes it, I, that's when i fell in love with you <laughs> Was as so. the evil person. So, um, thanks again for everyone for listening to Sweet Twelve. That's uh, been our week's edition. Yes, we'll be back next week, better than ever. Better than ever. I'm Brian. I'm Ryan. Take it easy. This has been another episode of Sweet Twelve from Brian Bourne and Ryan Goble. The preceding podcast was written and produced by Brian Bourne and Ryan Goble. Intro and outro music provided by Lost in a Name. All of the copyrights to the respective authors. You can find us on Twitter at Sweet12 and on Facebook at Sweet12 Podcast. Download this and previous episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you for listening.